Buckle up everyone and welcome to Carpool Rugby League, a show where two rugby league tragics are talking everything rugby league on your way to or from work. I'm Graham. The Chameleon. <laughs> welcome aboard and on with the show. Yes, it's Wednesday. You know what that means. We've got another episode of Carpool Rugby League coming your way. I've got the chameleon on board with me tonight. And, um, well, we're right in the thick of it. You know, we had the NRL finals, um, you know, not long ago, just over a month ago. Now we've got the World Cup. We're at the pointy end. We've got Australia and Samoa. We're going to talk everything World Cup as well as the latest NRL news. But isn't it great, Griffo? We're, you know, well into November and we're still talking about the, uh, the Rugby League. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are still talking about the rugby league, and it's November, and it's uh, you know it's probably my f- time of the week. Actually, carpool rugby league time. <laughs> um, still playing uh, some great, well, probably two of the best games of rugby league that we've seen in twenty twenty two last weekend, um, and and they were pay- played in November. So. Uh, mm. Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed both games. Um, The quality uh, of uh, the four teams on display was was very, very good. So um, we look forward. Totally totally agree with you on that one. Yep. And um, we're just getting a little bit of uh, breaking up there. So uh, we might have a situation where the the Carpool Rugby League... uh, I think I'll move, mate. We might we might get some movement happening here from Griffo, and you guys won't hear it; it'll be seamless. Yeah. But uh, we'll just pause it while we get that sorted. Um, you know, the NRL aren't the only people that have to move. Uh, yeah, we, uh, with the Women's uh, World Cup happening next year, we need to find a spot better suited to the Wi-Fi. So we'll give you a moment okay. there, Griffo, and it'll be seamless. All right, so we've got Griffo closer to the router, and as you can imagine, we're just punters that are talking rugby league. We're just like you; we're the people. And, um, you know, we're bringing you this show um, from the Carpool Studios, but obviously in um, rugby league land. The uh, the internet is not one of those things that we're 100% across, but I'll tell you one thing we are 100% across. That's rugby league, Griffo. And I just wanted to get your thoughts just very briefly. Um, we will talk about the World Cup later, but just as a bit of an overall overview from what we've seen... Um, I know Arnott's have been telling us for years that Jats are the easy entertainers, but there was some entertainment, I feel, from the World Cup, especially on the weekend. Um, it is warming up, isn't it, at the moment? And it just shows that I I feel we've got the right four teams here that we're going to preview later on tonight. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's been some criticism from some quarters about, um, about the World Cup and you know, obviously there was a lot of um, a lot of hammerings that were taking place earlier, but it was a great opportunity for those guys representing the minnows. Um, and and I think we might have touched on it last week that uh, the Tongans and the Samoans twenty years ago, um, they were minnows, mm. uh, but um, now they're 
right up there with the very best. And, um, you know, if, you know, 20 years down the track, you know, if we can get another, you know, two or three countries uh, that can compete with with the, the top nations, uh, you know, then it, it's all worthwhile, isn't it? Like, Definitely. Um, Bill's the game. As I said, you know, Tonga and Samoa, um, 20 years ago, uh, were not strong. Like, you know, they, they might have had a couple of decent players, but, you know, they were getting beat by France, for example, um, in countries that, you know, today that, uh, you would think that they put a pretty big score on it. In fact, they did. So, um, yeah, just got to keep developing uh, international rugby league, and that means more more countries and, and trying to build them up. And I thought, uh, I thought last weekend, if it said nothing else, it said we must play more international rugby yeah. league um, because. It's just as good as a state of origin when it's yep. played by by the best, um, and, and I thought both those games last week rivaled Phenomenal. a state of origin for intensity yep. Yep. and quality of uh, of play. Yeah, I thought they were both phenomenal games, and it, hopefully we will get another one. Um, we'll get two actually, you know, one with the women and, mm. and one with men. And and, and the women's uh, Australia versus New Zealand was another. A great game, and, and and some would argue that possibly the the better team lost. Um, I don't know if you saw that game, but it was I think oh. it was ten eight yep. uh, to the Aussies, Jillaroos, and of course they um, they played had to play three days later, which I thought was quite strange. Um, they played their semi-finals as well after the weekend, um, but yeah, again the Jillaroos, uh, you know, they came out and. Uh, they they beat the clock on uh, against the uh, the orchids, yeah. But the other game uh, was it was the Kiwis were too good for England, so um, yeah, yeah, a lot of good rugby league, male and female. Yeah, and and as you said, we'll talk a little bit about the the Gillaroos a bit later, and and obviously those who may have just seen scores here and there from the semi-finals know the the eighty-two nil win over Papua New Guinea was obviously. Um, a one-sided affair, but we're really looking for that um, that replay from uh, last Friday where Australia played New Zealand. That's going to be an absolute belter. Uh, we'll get into all the World Cup talk very soon. Um, we usually like to start off the uh, the podcast with Shano's tidbits. Uh, he can't be with us tonight, so we're going to talk a little bit about NRL signing news. Uh, we brought a few, uh, I suppose, late signings to you guys last week. Uh, this week, we've got a bit of news for you as well. Uh, probably the biggest news that's been breaking over the past 24 hours with us recording this is um, the movement of Jackson Jackson Hastings from the Tigers to the Knights. Um, now, from what I understand, Griffo, he had another year left on his contract, but he's going to go over to Newcastle on a three-year deal. And it's a bit of an uh, old-school switcheroo here because the Knights have also confirmed that David Clem is going to head off to the Tigers. Um, interesting to see, considering um, we were talking a little bit about the Tigers and a lot of rumours that, um, you know, uh, Bateman might be coming over and there was a bit of an issue there and Hastings was there, but that's all a mute point now because um, he's, he's off to the Knights. Uh, yeah. Um, 
yeah, it, it had been rumoured for, for a little bit of time. Um, I think it's, uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of pluses for the Knights because they really need a playmaker. And uh, Hastings, well, I thought he was really good for the time. I thought he was their best when he was there. Unfortunately, he uh, he got the suspension for a few weeks and he also got injured uh, in an illegal tackle mm. near the end of the season. Um I think it was uh, a hip drop from memory. I can't remember who the player was. But that not only did it uh, wipe out his season for the West Tigers, it also robbed him of uh, a place in in the England squad. Um, that's who he plays his international rugby league for, um, some sort of heritage. Uh, he plays for England. Uh, and, and I guess they, they certainly could have used him as well, a player of his quality. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a massive asset to the Newcastle Knights because they've really lacked a, a quality playmaker, a consistent quality playmaker. Yeah. Jackson Hastings was not one of the Tigers' 15 captains this year, but he was <laughs> a leader when he those games uh, where they got those wins against Para and I think uh, the Rabbitohs, um, two two weeks in a row was it yeah. field goals? Yeah. He was he, if he wasn't the man of the match, he would have been at least in one of the games. But but he he was the guy that got the Tigers over the line. I thought he was fantastic. Um, it's going to be a loss for the Tigers, but they obviously have a different uh, plan. Uh, they'll they'll be going with the the Brooks Dewey combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even uh, of more significance, perhaps, is the fact that uh, that will now allow them to to sign Johnny Bateman, who um, yeah, him and and, and and Jackson Hastings, they, they can't really uh, be in the same club, apparently. Um, but so, not only from a personal point of view. I mean, I don't know what that does for them cap wise um, with Hastings moving on. And I think the hip drop fans might remember, was that the Carrigan one? Possibly, I think it might have been Pat Carrigan that was... Uh, oh, I couldn't, couldn't remember who it was. But... Uh, but yeah, but, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about this, and is this something we hear too much of? I mean, as professionals, should it be an issue? I know we were talking about it, and obviously we're giving it a bit of airtime here, but does that really factor in? Do you think in this day and age... Um, you know, for the right or wrong reasons, clubs are thinking about who they sign because of personal issues with other players within the club. Like, do you think the Bateman possible signings had an influence on this and the personal issues have really, you know, I think it might have. But as professionals, do do you find that that's a bit unusual? I don't agree that, no, of course it's unusual. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right, Graham. The word professional means that you act in a way that, um, you know, you're paid to do your job. But uh, yeah. the reality is that we're talking about human beings. And, um, you know, if it doesn't gel um, and if it's going to be counterproductive to a club, then you, you really, you don't want to have, you, know, you want a united front, you mm. know. Um, so while I agree with what you're saying, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a factor yeah um, we're, we're talking about human beings here and um you know it's just sometimes there's people uh, that uh you know i guess just cannot get on 
and uh, and it's if it's going to be counterproductive to the team, then it's probably best that they're both not there. Yep. And, and I feel from a management point of view, this would be a similar situation where you might have a player who's an excellent on-field talent, um, an absolute freak on the field. However, they may be um, a negative influence off the field. They may have other impacts in other areas. Yeah. This is a similar situation, I think, to, to what yeah. we see. Some people might say great player, but you know, toxic for the club. Um, the, these these personal things they're seeing here are probably going to be yeah. toxic and and as you said too if they're if they're um, going to invest in uh, the way he and Brooks being the halves um, some people may see Hastings as surplus um, other fans might argue that it's a talented player that they're letting go um, it'll be really interesting to see how the Tigers progress from here because um, you know, a lot of people have said the only way is up, but unfortunately for them, there's an extra team next year, so they may possibly finish one position lower. I, I don't think no, that'll I, be the I case. I think they're going to have a good year. I think they. I, I think they will. Well. It's um, you know, I know you know games aren't won on paper, but yeah. they they look much stronger, particularly if they can get Johnny Bateman into their it's, their yeah. squad. If they get, it's going to be great pack of forwards. Clemmer, yep, Bateman. Um, we've got Papali. Bole uh, has also signed a new yeah, deal with them. Yeah, he was their rookie right. of the year. Two I think he's there for three years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sean sure, Ball's it... coming back from uh, injury. Yeah. We've got Stefano there as well. Yeah. Appy's going to be the hooker. That's yeah, that's be right. Appy, we haven't really talked about his influence. I'll, I'll be honest with you. As, 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 as someone here, I feel like I'm cutting you off there. Sorry, mate. But no, I just no, really want right. to jump on this because he's. I watched him play when he was very young. He won a premiership with my club. You've watched him play through the next part of his career. He's won a premiership with your club. I'm not going to stretch stretch it as far to say he's going to win a premiership with the next club. And even he had a bit of a laugh at that. At the end we of we saw him. We saw him on the streets <laughs> of Auckland, Graham. We did. And look, to be honest with you, look, it's one of those situations where I don't think enough has been made of the impact that he can have at a club. Um, tell me about, from watching him through the prime of his career over the past few years, what he can bring to this West Tigers team and how that's going to result in in more wins for the Tigers. Because I, I think there's going to be a direct correlation between Api Corosau being at hooker and the Tigers winning more games. Graham... Um... Some of the world's best air hostesses are Brazilian. <laughs> and they know how to like you remember that? They were I on do. the same street where we saw yeah. after that time. That was but, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I it just I took my mind away there. And we um, got a bit lost. We were our hotel all of a sudden was in the other direction. <laughs> but we anyway, we digress. We couldn't we couldn't find oh. it a proper Chinese meal, but we had that, a good time. That is right. Yeah, it could, couldn't find a satay chicken anywhere. And that's, um, yeah, anyway. Um, but um, I'll tell Auckland you. Auckland Nines, 2015. <laughs> what a weekend. One of the great, one of the great weekends. Um, anyway. But Appy, he is going to bring direction. Um, he is going to bring skill. Uh, he is going to make that team and the players in it better players. He's going to take a lot of the pressure off Luke Brooks. 
um, as he's taken the pressure off Nathan Cleary. Nathan Cleary's game yeah. went ahead when Appy got there. And he was obviously very good beforehand, but um, I, I really think the Tigers, I really think that they're going to be in for, for a very good year. I was talking to the doctor today, um, mm-hmm. not the medical doctor, but the doctor of uh, rugby league, uh, Dr. Clayton, mm-hmm. uh, who's a, a big Tigers fan. Um, and, uh, you know, we were sort of talking about some of the guys they're going to have there. And, uh, you know, I, I was, I was uh, yeah, I think they're really going to have a good year next year. Um, one thing that concerns me about them is, is not the talent they've got, but the fact that they're going to play uh, at about eight different home grounds. Uh, I don't understand it. Um, I heard it this morning. I mean, they've got Campbelltown, they've got Lackart, they're going to play games at uh, Combank, Accor. Uh, they're going, uh, I think, maybe to Tamworth. I think they're playing mm-hmm. their game against yeah. the Warriors over in New Zealand. That's about six home grounds. Um, I don't know if there's more than that, but one of the great can we count, strengths... can we count Magic Round? I think they play their home at Suncorp. We'll add one there. <laughs> Might be one of theirs. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but there's a lot of games oh. at Leichhardt and Campbelltown this uh, this season. Yeah. Um... It was three and three. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, the one just... that's the one at Hamilton. Um, yeah, goodness, they're all over the place. I... What's more important? They've got dots more... or, or points on the ladder. Do they have more home grounds than captains though next year? Oh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> I think I think they might actually have more home grounds than captains yeah. um, with the new regime. They might think they don't need so many captains, but well, they might have a cap- different captain for each ground. Maybe that could work. Possibly, and that's something too that we've got to we've got to look at here. And I know I'm going a bit. On a tangent and a side note here, we will talk about it. Um, and I forgot to mention this in our uh, pre-show meeting. The, the NRL draw has become... Um, it's out there. Yeah, it's, it's been released. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, last week, we talked about the rumours in round one and so on and so forth. But um, well, there's a few other minor signing uh, news. Uh, the one I did want to mention, um, which is probably fair to, to make a bit of a, a comment on, is um, the retirement of Andrew McCulloch. Now, he's been um, a, a member of the rugby league community for a long time. Um, uh, he's he's played um, many games, obviously, uh, finishing up at the Dragons. But he's another player, Griffo, that... Um, that I think deserves a, a fair bit of credit and um, yeah, some, some acknowledgement of the contribution he's made to the game because uh, yeah, it's a 300 plus game. Yeah. 309 games between Brisbane, a, Newcastle, St. George. Have I got all the teams there? Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah. And obviously the bulk of them were at the Broncos. Yeah. Um, he played, I think, maybe just the one state of origin. Uh, there was a fellow by the name of Cameron Smith, who was a little bit oh, of a yeah, looker. I remember him. Um, who was the golfer. The... That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he, he plays for the Super League in golf. Live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's going, yeah going the golf Super League. Going to live. So, um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, he's, he's been a very, very good player over a long, long period of time. Um, had a... He, he was going well with the Knights. I think he had quite a horrific injury. 
um, that year where you couldn't find a hooker in uh, in Newcastle. Uh, they were all going down with all sorts of injuries. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's had a great career. Um, I don't think he won a premiership. I might be wrong on that. But I've, I've got a feeling that uh, that was something that eluded him. I think he would have been in the Broncos team that got beat by the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, a great clubman. And uh, I'm not sure whether he was on big cash at the Dragons or not. Um but I, I do think he would have been on a little bit of cash at least, and that will free up a bit of space. But it does mean that uh, they're, they're losing one of their certainly more experienced and, and consistent players. Uh, they did sign, I think, uh, Jacob Little from the Tigers. Uh, and they've also got uh, young Sullivan, who uh, played a little bit of hooker. Uh, I don't know if they've got anyone else that uh, can fill that role there, but... Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, well done, uh, McCoy. Got a, on a you know a, a great career. You playing over three hundred games of NRL. Yeah, you got great something feat. about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's a great feat. And um, I'll tell you what. You want a useless stat and a bit of trivia? This one could come up at your your trivia night. Um, I think he's the first player that was born in the nineteen nineties. Oh, to play for Brisbane. So there's a bit of trivia for you. I know it doesn't mean much, but if it comes up, it's the type of thing you'd read. It. To me. It's the type of thing you'd read on a fan tale. Um, yeah, he was born in January 1990, but when he made his debut, he came through um, uh, in 2008, made his debut. Um, yeah, first player born in the 1990s to debut in... Um, the NRL top grade, not only for Brisbane, but for the uh, in the NRL. So a bit of uh, odd trivia for you there. Um, I think he was part of a team, Graham, that uh, Hook Griffin coached to their under-20s that included Ben Hunt, um, I think Maguire. They went down to the Raiders. and uh, They were a very good team, the Broncos. My, Alex Glenn might have been that team too. Um, went down to the Raiders who, who had uh, Josh Dugan. Ah, uh, uh, yep, 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 yep. I don't know if it was the first year of the uh, the uh, NRL under-20s competition, but it was certainly early on the piece. So, so yeah, good yeah. work, McCall. Yeah, now, one of the... And, and and Brisbane, yeah, they had some, some great players coming through there that, um, you, know, you know, obviously um, became first-grade regulars, but then to go on and play 300 games, games an absolute amazing feat. Um just just quickly before we talk about World Cup, Griffo, um, I know with the, the NRL draw, we talk about it. We made we had a segment last week where we talked about the leaked round one uh, suspected draw and what we saw was pretty much what was leaked. The full NRL draw is out now. Um, I'm not sure how close you've looked at it. Oh, there's the NRL now calling yeah, me. Yeah, I apologize. looked overly close. Um. You would have looked at, I'd imagine, Penrith's draw. Uh, look, I don't know if... I, I mean, I'm not going to ask you any hard-hitting questions. I'll put you on the spot here. I'm just wondering if you had any overall thoughts on the draw, first of all. We know that there are some implications this year with having an extra team. Three um, three buys for every team. There'll be a team each week that has a buy. Um, and also, too, there are some parts of the draw which are still a bit up in the air. 
um, that are impacted by the Women's FIFA World Cup. But yeah, just wanted to get your your initial thoughts. Um, and uh, obviously, closer to the start of the season, we'll go through each team's draw and, and, and preview. Uh, yeah, bit, bit I, I'll just I'll say this, and I, I think we touched on it last week, um, but sort of confirmed. If you're a good team, you get hard draw. Um, yeah. So your Penriths, your Roosters, your Rabbitohs, your Melbourne Storm, your Parramatta Eels, the top uh, teams over the last, well, you know, certainly the last three or four years, some of those teams have been top sides for longer than that. Um, they are the ones that get eyes on TV screens. Therefore, they seem to play each other twice. Um, so if you're good, you pay for it. Uh, I don't like the concept, but I do understand it. The other team in that mix, who and, and we talked about last week, they're not quite up to the standard football-wise, but they're the biggest brand in the rugby league uh, world of Australia, and that's the Brisbane Broncos. Mm. Uh, they get all these good sides. They have to play them twice as well because of the ratings that uh, it generates. We know Channel 9 want to get maximum number of viewers, so they play the Broncos on, on Thursday or Friday night regularly uh, because... Brisbane has the biggest following, and and up until um you know over the next year we've got Redcliffe, uh, sorry the Dolphins and not Redcliffe, the Dolphins coming in, gonna maybe um, encroach on that market a little bit, but yeah, uh, Brisbane still is the biggest uh, club um, mm. in in the NRL, uh, even though they're on field, then they're not the biggest club, but. Uh, off field with uh, their membership and the, the money they generate, um, and they pay for that in the draw. In that they, they get, you know, the best teams. They have to play them twice, um, and we saw last year they they looked they were going pretty well, and then it got too much for them at the end of the season, and um, yeah, they they ended up dipping out of the the eight. But uh, uh, and I, I think I'm not sure if I mentioned this last week or. But in, in previous discussions, we talked about the Sharks. They were said to have the favourable draw last year. Um, and it was true. They did. They didn't have to play as many games against the top sides. I think that's the case again. Likewise, the Canberra Raiders, another team that made the eight. People are uh, calling that Canberra, just sorry to cut you off there, a lot of people right, have labelled Canberra as having the easiest draw. Yeah, and the reason for that is because people don't tune in in big numbers when they play. Hmm. Therefore, they don't have them play, playing against your Penriths, your, your Rabbitohs, your Paris. <clears throat> and you, you, you're bang on, Griffo. I'll, I'll tell you here, just quickly with Canberra, these are the teams that they have to play twice. They play the Dolphins twice. Four Bris points. Brisbane twice. Likely four points, maybe two. The Tigers twice. Uh, more likely four points. St. George Illawarra. Yeah, probably another four points, maybe 2-2. Two, two. Newcastle. Four points. Cronulla. Uh, yeah, 2-2 two, two maybe. Canterbury and the Warriors. Uh, I would say Warriors, they're going to get four points there. 
Bulldogs uh, more likely four points, but might be two two. Now all they're, at, the they're already in the eight grand. Those teams, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The only top eight team from this year that they play twice are the Sharks. Now, as you said, you compare that to the team at the other end of the draw, who are the the Broncos. The Broncos have been labelled as having the hardest draw. Um, now, it's purely based on television and um, you know and, and interest. So, obviously, as you could imagine, they're going to play all the Queensland teams twice. The Cowboys, the Titans, the Dolphins. They play Canberra twice, but then again, when we have to have their other games that they come against twice, they hit all the heavyweights from this past season. The grand finalists, Penrith and Parramatta, Melbourne and South Sydney were also teams that were towards the top. Um, I, I, I don't want to get into a thing here. I mean, obviously we can look through all the draws and sometimes have it easier than others and so on and so forth. I think the thing that might frustrate some of the punters is though, that it's not based necessarily on, it's almost as though if you're a marketable team, it's to your detriment because you're going to end up in more Friday and Thursday night games and you're going to be playing against other teams from the big markets. So your Broncos, your um, the teams that come to mind if I think about Friday night football or Thursday night football are your Broncos, your Panthers, Roosters, Rabbitohs, so on and so forth. You know, they're just some examples there. It, the it almost teams. What's yeah, the Broncos? Yeah, it That's, seems I, I like to call them the marketable teams because, and, and you know, every year you're going to have those guaranteed uh, rivalries, you're going to have those two rounds. Like if From the NRL's point of view, it makes sense to have Penrith Parramatta twice a year. It makes sense to have Roosters Rabbitohs twice a year. It makes sense to have any of those rivalries. You see, the Queensland teams play each other twice a year. Um, I know we're making a big hullabaloo out of this, but realistically, regardless of the draw... Would you agree with my sentiment here, Griffo, that even though you might have a tough draw and some teams might seem inflated or deflated throughout the year, we still sort of, when we get to the point end of the season, we still end up with the best teams? Uh, yeah, overall, I would agree. Yeah. Um, but the toll it takes on some of those teams to get there uh, impacts? Uh, I. One thing um, that came back to me a moment ago um, in relation to the Panthers draw, um, let's say there's half a dozen sides who um, we we put in the bottom tier. Um, so I'm putting the Dolphins in there. I'm putting uh, the West Tigers, the Newcastle Knights, the Titans, the... Tigers, basically the Warriors. What? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Mm. So those half dozen ordinary sides, there's only one of them that Penrith plays twice. That's yeah, Newcastle. Yeah, because they got South um, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Roosters, Para, North Queensland, Manly, and as you said, Newcastle insane. twice. That's a very tough draw. Very tough draw, and well, 
It's just not right. I'm not, I'm not, not saying that from Penrith's perspective. I'm saying it I, I don't from want to argue an that. equity perspective. That, that, and, and I dare say that most of those top sides you just mentioned, Graham, they're all in the same boat. Um, yeah, they're thinking, oh, and, and someone, someone's got to sink. Someone's got to sink. You can't all stay afloat if, if you're taking points off each other. You've got teams like the Raiders, and it's not their fault because they didn't no. need the draw, but they are going to romp into the eight, maybe even top four, based on the fact that they've got a soft draw. Um, I haven't looked at the Sharks' draw quite as closely, but I know, again, they don't have a tough draw. And I know once we get closer to the start nah, of the they, season, when they... Shane was back on board, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into this more so than like we did mm. at the start of this season. Um, Two teams but... that, are, that, that I think have easy draws despite where they finish, Griffo, are the Sharks and the North Queensland Cowboys. I know you were talking about the Sharks there. Yeah. Just while you're going to comment on them... Um, they will play 10 games against the top eight from this year, four games against the top four. They have 13 against the bottom eight, six against the bottom four. The teams they play twice, South St. George, Manly, North Queensland, Newcastle, Canberra, Warriors and Canterbury. So we can't even really go with the argument that teams that finish up the top get a harder draw. Um, just to combat that, and um, while I've got all the data in front of me, the Cowboys... Um, They've got an easy draw too, if you ask me. 10 games against top eight teams, only six against top four, 12 against bottom eight, seven against bottom four. The teams they played twice, as you can imagine, would be the Queensland teams in the Gold Coast, uh, Dolphins and Brisbane, but they also play Tigers, Para, Penrith, Cronulla and the Warriors. They are two teams that finished in the top four this year that I think have got off pretty light, just to compound what you were saying there. Yeah, uh, look, I, I just don't think it's fair. Um, it's got to be more of a ranking type thing come into it that, uh, you know, yep, if you're Penrith, you lock in two games against Para. If you're the Roosters, you lock in against the Rabbitohs two games. Hmm. There are these rivalries. Um, but outside of that, there's got to be an equity. Um, you know, you because you're competing against other teams who've got soft draws, and you might you know, instead of making top four, you might make the bottom half of the eight. You could get bounced in the first week. You're mm. you're gone. Is you know? is this one of those things where I know many people argue and say, look the. Yeah, people ask me who aren't rugby league fans to the extent that we are, and they say, why do Brisbane always play on Friday night? Why are these teams happening? And I say, basically because the television broadcasters get to choose it. Channel 9 gets, from my understanding, Channel 9 gets gets their pick of who they want. Fox Sports have their marquee matchups. The, the, the television um, broadcasters basically dictate a large portion of the draw. They do. And some would argue, they're, given they're the, the money in, so that's, they, yeah, they should have some input. That's what I was going to say. Given the amount of money they're investing in the game, do we think that it's a fair call for them to say, look, we're, we're investing billions, 
It's it's literally billions of dollars into the game of rugby league. Without a television rights deal, the game doesn't exist. Are we? You know, is it is it one of? The, I mean, as a fan, we say, "Ah, oh, it's unfair." I can see from that point of view the argument where they might say, "Look, they're investing a lot of money into it." You know, maybe maybe they should have a say, but it's it's the fans' game. It's a hard one. I, I can see both arguments there, and, and 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 really, it's the fans though that that get impacted. I think um, one of the guys that perhaps you wouldn't be the hugest fan of, but probably respect is uh is Nick Bolitis. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he said it's not I wish I had his bank account. It's a TV <laughs> schedule. And he's right. Yeah. That I, I totally right. agree. He's bang on. He's bang yeah. on. It's 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 a form of entertainment. And it's the entertainment that makes the money. It's the fact that people will tune in and watch it. It's the advertising space that gets sold. It's the tickets at the gates. That's what's fueling the game. If people aren't going to watch and there is no money in the game, there is no competition. And yep. and we are in one of those situations where we don't have a tidy draw where everyone plays everyone twice. Now, I don't want that to happen purely from a point of view that if there's 17 teams and you've got to play you know, over 30 games a year, that's that's not yeah, going to give us not, a quality competition. So, look, and, you know, there's there's a million ways that people think they can yeah. solve it. Um, I don't know. We're not going to solve the problem here tonight on the podcast. There's, there's got to be some sort of seeding system that, you know, based on uh, your position on the ladder, that uh, in conjunction with the needs of the, the TV uh, people, uh, it's just got to be wound back a little bit so there is a bit more equity in the draw Mm -hmm. i'm not saying it's got to be completely equal because that ain't you know it's just not possible but if you're like i said if you're the broncos you're not a strong side you've not not made the finals for a few years you've took taken a wooden spoon and, and you're still getting hit over the head with some sort of spoon because you're getting dished up against the top sides twice. Um, it, it is hard when you're working yeah. your way from the bottom and you you got to play these it big is. teams. And, and, and yeah. I think the thing that frustrates a lot of fans is that the, the thing going against these clubs is the fact that they've got a high profile. They've done well to market the club. They're, they've whether they're successful or not, they're, they're a club that people want to see on TV. And becoming, I don't. <laughs> well, I'm talking just in general here of uh, yeah, any club, I but you know, yeah, that particular club, no. But <laughs> you know what I mean. It's it's, yeah. it's one of those things where even if um, yeah, like the, there are clubs that even might have poor years. I mean, clubs like the 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 Bulldogs come to mind, where. Even though the, a team like the Bulldogs may have struggled in recent years, because of their um, role within rugby league, their history, they have these these rivalries with other teams. We know that they're going to come up against Manly a couple of times a year. We know they've got history of Parramatta. We know they're going to play South twice 
particularly because they share a home ground on um, Good Friday. That game's, you know, basically, well, I was going to yeah. say penciled in, but it's, it, it, it is put in. And, and despite the fact of where they've finished, that's not factoring in as much. And then you've got, you know, as you said, the Dragons, they've struggled. They're, they're long-time rivals of both South Sydney and the Roosters for many of years. And the Sharks. Got, yeah, and yeah. the Sharks. And they've got history with both sides of the West Tigers merger. So they're going to play those teams twice. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Look, I, I could go on a massive rant, and I know that yeah. 90% of the fans of Rugby League think I'm crazy for even suggesting this. I remember very early days of the podcast... I um, proposed a conference system and a lot of people thought I was absolutely yeah. mad. But the sentiment behind the conference system wasn't to Americanize sport and to make a mockery of the sport that it currently is, but it was to try and find some form of equity in the draw. And the, you know, the system I proposed was you play everyone in the league once and everyone in your conference twice. Therefore, it had, and then you just compete in that ladder against them. It's not perfect, it's not ideal, it's not something that I think most fans in Australia will go th- go for, but I think um, the current system, it's not equitable. And uh, I think whilst some teams may have to work harder to get to where they need to be, um, as I said before, I mean, I can look at Penrith, I can admit Penrith have a very tough draw. Then I look at the Penrith team and I feel like saying... Don't worry, they'll be right. They'll beat anyone <laughs> anyway. But as you said, you know, it's those harder games that impact. We haven't even factored in origin. We haven't even no. factored in when the buys are. Um, yeah. I, I know that as a South fan, I was looking at the buys and all of our buys are in the second half of the season, which I was happy That's with. That's a bonus. Yeah, I absolutely. Talked, bonus. I talked to a St. George Lawara fan earlier on in the week and they were pissed off they had the buy round one uh, yeah. because they said, we don't need a rest then. I looked at it from the other point of view. I said, well, at least you're going to be on two rounds. You got two points. Yeah. Got two points. <laughs> but, but they made a good the point. They, they made a good point and they said, well, look, I'd rather have a buy in round 16 when the players need a rest. It's it, You're not going to get it equitable. Um, there's a lot of other variables this year with the extra buy. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, be very interesting to see. But, um, look, as always, there's always plenty to talk about with the NRL. But... Um, uh, yeah, I just I thought I thought the Dolphins had a had a pretty good draw too. They were another team I think that that got off fairly light. So hopefully for them that uh, that works out. But look, we'll see when it when it gets to the pointy end of the season. Uh, we know you got to beat them all, but um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something I think that that fans are a bit um unsure about and uh would like to see a little bit more equity just on that Graham, i just had a thought you know a lot of people talked about the sharks having the easy draw how they go in the semi-finals that's the thing and, and do you know what straight if out I was, the back door if i was straight just, out the back door exactly and i know that sharks fans would go great you know easy draw there's a portion of sharks fans that would go do you know what maybe we're better off not having the easy draw because it really um, I suppose you know inflates their value within the rugby league. They finished. They well, they finished third after the second. Second, that's right. They got ahead of the Cowboys. Second. Yeah. So after the regular season, they were second ranked team, and in the finals, they they went out in straight sets. 
And not only did they go out in straight sets, it wasn't a massive surprise. Tipsters yeah. and fans like yourself and um, you know Shano and, and myself as well, we we were actually you know that Cowboys game we said look flip a coin, but then when they come up against South Sydney, um, most tipsters most tipsters were saying yeah they're going to be gone. The team that come what did we come seventh, we're, we're confident they're going to beat them because they're in form. They've they've had a tougher run. They've had uh, more opportunity to play against top teams and they've shown more in matching it and maybe losing closely to top teams and the Sharks have playing easy teams and, and beating them. And I think that that also showed last year the gap between the good teams and the poor teams was so wide that when you're playing mostly the poor teams each week, um, you, you're not challenged. And I think that really ties in too, I think, to our World Cup talk, Griffo, because a lot of people are saying throughout the group stages of the Rugby League World Cup, some of the top teams that we still have now in the competition, such as your Australia and Samoa, and uh, last week England and uh, and New Zealand would be in that conversation. A lot of people were saying against those minnows, they weren't challenged, and coming up against the top teams... I mean, the final four we got in the World Cup was absolutely phenomenal. Um, they were two cracker games last week. And I think fans are saying, wow, like we're really starting to see all of these teams be challenged, hitting form at the right end of the year, of the World Cup, I should say. You know, it's not, not the whole year, it's the season. But um, look, to go back to that first semi-final, Australia over New Zealand, 16-14. Um, that was an absolute belter of a game. Um, most of the points were scored in the first half. The only points in the second half was that try by Cameron Murray. That was the only difference. But prior to that try, if you're watching this game, um, you know, at about the 50th minute, even afterwards, even after that Murray try, I know Australia, the game sort of settled out a bit. But, gee, this was anyone's game. This was an absolute belter, and it just showed that there's some, some quality of both, across both of these teams. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was the, the old adage, you snooze, you lose, was never more apt than, uh, than when, unfortunately, the Kiwis did have a, a little snooze. Mm. Um and uh, Cal Mori uh, just went straight, straight past uh, Brandon Smith, and I think it was Big Nelson. Yeah, and, uh, there was not a point scored after that. After you know, Cleary kicked the goal, obviously, but uh, that was it for the point scoring from either team. So um, that one just hesitation from from Brandon Smith, where mm. he just switched off for you know a couple of seconds. And again, that was a game. Um, yep. I didn't think that was going to be the last score in the game, but it turned out it was. Um, classic uh, game of rugby league. It had all the intensity um, of an origin game. Um, it's one of the best best internationals I can remember in recent time. Obviously, we haven't had many in the past few yep. years, but this was an absolute classic it was um was indeed so uh can't ask for more um if if we can get a similar game on uh 
on the weekend. That'd be great. I do feel though that it's it's not going to be quite that tight, and I might be wrong, but um, I just think uh, I think the Australians might have a little bit too much for for Samoa. I would Samoa throw everything at them, but I think uh, I think we might see the green and gold click into gear this week, and um, the likes of Latrell. Uh, who who had a good game last week without being brilliant. Um, he, he he did some great bomb defusals that, that were needed yeah. near the end of the game. Um, but apart from that, we didn't see too much of him uh, in, in an attack. Um, Monster was relatively quiet as well. Cleary copped criticism, man. Not quite sure why. Uh, I didn't think he had a bad game. Obviously, he did knock on once. Um, his kicking game was, I thought, better than the week before. Um, I just, uh, yeah, so those players have got improvement in it. Uh, I thought Tedesco, you know, was he was good. But again, I don't th- think we saw the best of James Tedesco uh, last week. Obviously, the Fox was, uh, you know, at his best. Holmes was good running the ball back. Um, but I think uh, I think there's improvement in the Australians. And I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be a bit of a, too much to handle for, for the Samoans who, who have created history two weeks in a row. Mm. First by in the semifinals and then uh, being, you know, the first team other than uh, New Zealand, England, slash Great Britain or Australia to make a World Cup final. Um, certainly this year, uh, sorry, this century, I should say. Um, I can't think it's probably the French, perhaps. Uh, we'd have to go back to maybe the 60s, 50s for for that. Otherwise, it's, uh, it's been... Uh, kangaroos, Kiwis, or or England slash Great Britain, as as most of the uh, teams used to be uh, representing Great Britain last century. Um, fantastic, but just I thought the Kiwis they threw everything they had in the first half. In particular, I thought the first half was brilliant. The second half was was a grind. Um, the quality of rugby league in the second half wasn't as good as the first half, but the toughness was certainly there. Um, we saw teammate on teammate, club mate v club mate, um, to Liam Martin taking on, taking it up to, to James Fisher-Harris. Um, I thought Martin was outstanding and he deserved part of the match. Um, he was getting into Big Nelson him and Cleary putting shots on Big Nelson. Um, and then they got a few turnovers of possession in the second half. The Kiwis didn't turn it over too much in the first half, but the pressure of the Australian defence, it was really, that's what won Australia the game, uh, the defence in the second half. Uh, the Kiwis did tire, and, and most of the game was, was played down on their line, even though the Aussies could only score one try. So, You've got to admire the, the defence of the Kiwis as well. It's just that one lapse. 
But then uh, just towards the end, I think there was a break. I can't remember who it was. Uh, one of the Kiwis made a break downfield, and then all of a sudden they sprung to life. Uh, they had a couple of tries disallowed. Uh, one of them from a, uh, I think it was Rapana who had his foot in front of the kicker. Mm -hmm. uh, it would have been a try other than that. We saw a miracle pass from Moses Leota. I've never seen him do a pass like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, and then I guess it was a big come down for everyone. It was just, wow, that's just amazing. But then uh, and it showed that uh, Rapana was just offside slightly and got involved in the play. And then there was the other one where um, Josh Adokar just positioned himself in such a way um, to to prevent, I think, again, it might have been Rapina who grounded the ball uh, on the line, but I think he, from memory, uh, might have already had his foot out before he did. I'm not sure if that was the play or not, but... Um, yeah, went up no try, and, and I don't think too many thought it was a try. But again, it was a chance that the Kiwis created. Um, so they were throwing everything uh, at them, and uh, it was just quality game. Um, did you watch it live, Graham, or did you sort of watch it a bit later on? I um, <laughs> I actually turned it on. Um, it's probably about twenty five minutes in. And, and watched the rest of the game and then went back and, and watched it. But I was just amazed at the, the quality of the game. And, and this was one of those games where a lot of fans who are rugby league fans and may not have been onto watching every game like, like we have been, um, clicked into this one and, and, and were just amazed at the quality. I remember talking during the week, um, even to my, my mother, who loves rugby league and hasn't watched a lot of the World Cup, but she she tuned in and she just said, geez, she goes, she goes, I think the the word she used was everyone's in that New Zealand team, aren't they? Like she was just looking through the New Zealand team and said, "Oh, he's in the team. He's in the team." Like, and I, I think that 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 highlights um for for most of the fans that these are two teams that just front to back are just stacked with high quality players, and it produced a high quality game. And I know i don't want to get into the the negatives of it where a lot of people are suggesting that the the rankings um you know rob this from being the final because you know we've got to give credit to samoa they could very well walk away from this competition being champions but this um this was a high quality game and i think what we saw on the weekend showed that there is so much value in playing more international football. And this is what you were alluding to last week. And if you guys haven't yep. heard what um, Griffo was talking about last week in regards to in introducing more international football, go back and have a listen to that podcast because the, the discussion we had last week was basically centered around getting more international football and more frequent football amongst top nations, more opportunities for emerging nations to get involved and more quality games like this because the more we can see Australia playing against New Zealand and these top quality teams playing each other, um, the more the, the international game is going to build. And the building of the international game was really evident in the, the second semifinal where we saw uh, Samoa take on um, England. And I'll give you credit here. You actually said last week that you, you felt as though Samoa could win that game 
Um, I tipped England and a lot of it was going off the fact that Samoa started a bit slow and England was strong in that early game. But gee whiz, talk about a game of back and forward. I actually... Don't quote me on this. There might have been one one time where one team scored two tries in a row. Maybe Samoa got a couple of tries in a row. But it was almost as though Team A scores, Team B scores. You know, England and Samoa, then England and Samoa. And then there was that, you know, there was that, that moment there was a try disallowed. This was an absolute cracker of a game. It was backward and forward. It was tip for tat. And this really has put Samoa on the world map of rugby league as a top nation. And they could... Look, Australia's the hot favourite, but as we stand now, they're a chance of winning the Cup. Yeah, they are. Um, they're in the they're in the uh, in the final, which uh, no other team, um, other than Australia, obviously, uh, have been able to do. Um, and yeah, I I did tip them last week. Um, I tipped them on the basis that I thought there's a lot of talent in the side. And obviously, it wasn't on display in the first game. And they would have had a point to prove more so to themselves than anyone else. Um, England had been the form team, but I still had my doubts about about England. Um, and they, that, that was their worst game, their coach. He impressed me actually um, with his speech afterwards. He didn't make any excuses. He said, came out and said the better team won. Um, they made some crucial errors, particularly after um, the 80 minute mark in, in extra time. They turned the ball over twice in their own half. Uh, the Samoans couldn't make them pay the first time, but they did the second time. Um, and yeah, they they scored some really great tries, the English. Uh, but uh, yeah, they they would have been heartbroken. Um, they would have felt that uh, they should have won that game. But uh, obviously, the better team did win. Um, some of the tries from from both teams were, were were great. On the losing team, the guy that really impressed me. Uh, was was Herbie Farnworth? Yeah, he's um, good, eh? Yeah, he's he's a quality player. Um, just I think he's just twenty two years of age. I'm just reading us something here about him. Uh, free to negotiate with rivals for twenty twenty four. So he's only signed for this year. Um, yeah, if you're a, a club that uh, wants a high quality centre. Um, He's uh, he's upped his value, obviously. Uh, a very, very good player uh, in a losing team. Um, I thought George Williams also was very good uh, setting up. and made a couple of line breaks to set up a few tries. Um, whether we see George in the NRL again, I'm not sure, but uh, he's certainly good enough to play in the NRL. Um, who impressed you, Graham, out of the game? I'll be honest with you. With this um, this this game from Samara in England, I think look, 
Tim Laffey is one of these players that in the in the cup is probably not someone that I would have before the cup said he's a player to watch, but coming out of the tournament, I think he wasn't was, even in the squad group. Yeah, he was a late recall uh, because of their injuries. So, yeah, um, he's one of those players that um, you know, it just seems to have um, you know, found some form. I mean, that early try where he found the line, and because I think he scored the first try early on. And you're thinking, oh, hang on, you know, he's it's this Samoan team. I think a lot of the players we were obviously focusing on, we were, we were talking about your Crichton, who I'm actually super impressed with. I I could go on a um on a side note here where I talk about Stephen Crichton, where we could potentially be talking about. Look, I I think unfortunately for Penrith, I I don't think they'll be able to afford to keep him because. I think there'll be a club out there looking for a fullback that are willing to pay, um, maybe not a million, but close to it, for someone the likes of Stephen Crichton to fill that spot. And he has shown through this World Cup that not only does he have the skills, ball in hand, in defence, goal kicking, he has all of those attributes. Um, they're probably two of the players that have really impressed me the most out of this um this Samoan team, and 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 out of that game as well. Um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts too on on Crichton and his possible future going forward because um, he is one of the names Griffo that we have talked about that maybe Penrith may not keep a hold of. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, if I'm if I'm organising squads at, at my club or any club, if I was in charge of any club, I'd uh, I'd be looking at him and and be asking what his price is. Well, the only thing that's going to keep him at Penrith is um, loyalty um, and the camaraderie of the team uh, and being willing to take unders um, because he will get offered more than what... And I, th- I think he's on a decent wicket already at Penrith. Um, I don't know exactly, but I think he's 700 plus. Uh, I so think that's, clubs would offer him close to a million. Oh, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying. Yeah, for sure. It's, no, not, I'm like, just it's not like he's, he's you know, on a, it's a fair on, pay. On a contract. Mm, and that's a big decision, as I was saying. They're like, you know, basically backing up what you're saying. It's not one of those things where we're arguing over a few bucks here. He could be making a decision that it's. You know, if he wants to stay at Penrith, it could cost him $300,000 a year. Well, potentially, yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, He's got a lot to his game. Uh, He added something to it that we didn't know about uh, last week with that clutch play to kick an amazing field goal. And it was about 30 yes. minutes ago. Never looked like this. Yep. Um, first time he's kicked a drop goal. We've seen him as a very good goal kicker. That was an important one. <laughs> yeah. Um, we saw the intercept and we'd seen it before in a big game. Um, it's not luck. If it happens once in your career, you'd say maybe it's luck. But 
when I saw him do that, I thought, this is not, this is not just luck. Um, and I thought that was game over uh, when, when it happened because I think it put him eight points in front after the goal. Um, I might be wrong on that, but but I thought it was game over. Um, but to England's credit, they came back and, and got level. Um, but yeah, and then he, he does the job again in extra time. He bangs over a drop goal. No one was expecting that he was going to be taking it. And uh, yeah, he's he, he's a, he's a supreme talent. Um, I think he's a, a very very good defender, one on one. Um, and in twenty twenty one, when Penrith won the competition, every game and th- those were tight games. Every semi, Penrith won by about two points. Yeah, and Crichton played a key role in most cases in both in attack and defense uh, and yeah 20 I think he's still 22 years of age it's nothing so <laughs> That's uh, he's got a lot of he could, yeah. he could potentially have 10 years left in him well you'd think so um, I, I doubt that all the all ten years will be at the Panthers. Unfortunately, I, I think uh, I'm hoping it's later rather than sooner. But you know, even if they could extend him another couple of years, um, the thing is, he's in a team winning competitions. That has to be uh, something in the mind of a, of a young guy. Um, it's worth something. It's it's worth. 100, maybe 200 grand. Three. Mm. <laughs> Three, yes, that's it. That's, um, yeah, you're not going to jump and... ship for 100 grand going from playing with your, your best mates and winning competitions. You're not going to move for that. It's got to be substantially higher than uh, what Penrith can afford to pay him. Um yeah, I, I don't want to see him leave, obviously, but, but he's mooted as one of the guys more likely to move on because of the fact that, that he's just got this capacity to, as you said, maybe be a million-dollar player. With the salary cap increase, um, that's, yeah. a, that's a factor that, you know, he's more likely to, to be able to command, uh, you know, around that seven-figure total um, than... Than uh, with the current salary cap, yeah, and and just on the Samoa team, um, one player who will be there next week, who you know we were obviously talking on the text message throughout the week um, and after it happened, and um, yeah, Junior Junior Bolo, I was very surprised to see he he escaped suspension. I think at the time, Griffo, um, you were saying that you were even surprised he stayed on the field. Oh, I was. Um, he got 10 in the bin, um, which was going to obviously be a minimum. Um, a lot of the talk has been that, you know, he once, you know, one of the arguments has been, I'll put it that way, that the player got in a dangerous position. He realized that the player was in a dangerous position and pulled out. 
I'd argue that the damage was already done. He was already in the dangerous Absolutely. position. Um, he's at, he's at uh, zero to 180 degrees. What matter did he pulled out? He's already hit the ground. Okay, so this is worth zero World Cup finals. How many NRL matches is this worth? Four. Yeah, and that's where I think we're at. And I, I look, think of it what you will. I'm going to basically come out and say it. Um, the fact that this would cost him the World Cup final playing for Samoa has basically been factored in. This is also, too, coming off the back of the week before where um, we, we saw a suspension given and an appeal go to the, um, uh, what do they call it, the independent judiciary. I don't, I don't know if I've got that terminology correct. I apologise if that's wrong. But um, I, th- I think what we're sort of seeing here is, is decisions being made to try and keep some of these players uh, involved uh, at the pointy end of the season of the World Cup. Yeah, look, for the sake of the game, I'm, I'm happy he's playing, but it's an injustice um, yeah. to every other it... guy who has been suspended for less. Do we he got a week for swearing at the ref? Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah, and that and that 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 could have been very detrimental to Lebanon. I remember at the time I was saying, look, you know, it worked out well for them because they ended up, you know, getting through that game. But you know, we we've often even said in the um in the NRL season, if they're fair thinking about safety, you know, this has got to happen, X has got to happen, Y has got to happen, and suspensions have to happen. Players need to to not be involved. This is one of those situations though where. I don't know. I feel like the rugby league community is setting a bit of a precedent here because people are, look in in May, June, July next year. I feel like there's going to be something happen in Origin, and we're going to come back to this one and say why did Borlo play and why why are we missing a player for Origin? I I just feel like this is going to come up again in that context. Of course it will. Yeah. Um, if you don't suspend people for that, you are going to have more of those tackles happening and I don't want to be alarmist but you are going to have young men or women potentially not being able to walk for the rest of their life yeah Uh, you cannot it's got to be a deterrent there there has to be Mm. um Nathan Cleary got five weeks for his tackle on Dylan Brown, yeah, which was not too dissimilar to this tackle. Might have been slightly worse, but he got five weeks. One of those because he had uh, carryover yeah. points. Yeah, whatever you call it. The um, but let's body. call it. Let's call it. That is a classic four-week suspension. And that's what he would have got in the NRL. And also considering, I also thought it was interesting considering too. Um, I didn't, I didn't know if they would take into account the fact that he was like there was previous suspensions that had been. Like, do you know what I mean? That really wishy washy thing the week before where yeah. there were these appeals, and then this happened this week. I thought, oh look, they've got their opportunity now to, but. 
you know, it was There's the not World been Cup a lot said about it, really. No. I think but, people, I think, to be honest with you, I think the media, to a certain extent, are saying, look, let's just try and get all of the Samoan players on board to make a game of this this final and not focus on it as much, which, you know, okay, you know, at least for once they're focusing on on the game itself and not the the judiciary mishaps, so to speak. The, the biggest focus on any one player in this game has been around whether Cleary is going to get selected or not. Yeah, well, we know he's going to play halfback, surely. Yeah, but <laughs> all the talk, all the talk out of the media is has been Cleary not playing well. Mal got asked the question after the last game. Apparently, there was a press conference um, where you know where Nathan Cleary was interviewed, and they're, they're all into him, and he's just says, "Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, you know, haven't haven't been, you know, it's not been my best form so far." Uh, you know, he just sort of didn't argue, he just took it on board. But um, Vossi, who I enjoy as a commentator and on his program every morning on SCN, he's been into Cleary every game um, as soon as he's missed a kick. And the other night, I don't know if you picked it up or not, Graham, Cleary's first kick, Vossi has gone off, said, oh, he's hooked it to the left. You know, he's, he's having all sorts of problems. There's two guys standing behind the post with their flags up. <laughs> like, is this, is this a case of Nathan Cleary's standards? Um, you know, week in, week out, everyone's expecting him to to hit everything perfect and I mean, look, whether he shanks it, if it goes through the post, it's a goal. Um, yeah, like, but, he did, I, but he didn't even shank it. It just put it between the posts. Like, I know. It's, uh, I, I, I know what you're getting at, and I think it's one of those situations where, I mean, even before the World Cup when we were talking about it, we, Nathan Cleary was always going to be the, the halfback. And whilst... Daily Cherry Evans, I think, is a key part of the squad and adds a lot to the squad. And through a tournament like the World Cup, to provide an opportunity to rest players and have the likes of DCE come in, um, I think that has been very beneficial to the Australian team. However, I think it's uh, I think most people that watch rugby league on a regular basis would agree that Nathan Cleary uh, is the number seven. Um. I don't know, like, is it... I mean, he's the best number seven in the Australian squad. Well, I believe so. Yep. Most believe, not all, not all, all agree, but... Do you think okay. the argument coming from other people is the fact that whilst he's the best seven in the squad, they are looking for the form that he displays week in, week out with Penrith and they may not have necessarily seen it gel with this group of players to that extent well, yet? It hasn't yet. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And clearly, he's admitted it himself. You know, he's, yeah. he's played, uh, I think it's two and a half games with, with Cam Munster now. Um, I, I think I think we'll see his best game on, uh, you know, on the weekend. I, I've no doubt about that, actually. Um, he's a big game player. 
He is a big game player. First he wins half of the finals. The first half of the grand final shows that. Yep. That's the best half of football from any football team in recent memory. And but, the year before, he won the Clive Churchill. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I, I think what what we're seeing here is people who watch Nathan Cleary week in week out. Whether they go for, Pen- I mean, it's probably a lot of the people that don't go for Penrith and say, "Geez, the bastard when he plays against my team, he gets everything right and he's a ten out of 10. And playing for Australia, he might, you know, I mean, I don't know where you'd rank his, you know, his his performances lately out of a ten. You know, they might be, you know, floating between a seven or an eight, which is still, you know, a phenomenal effort. I, I don't think they've been that high, Graham, according to. Uh... The people at Fox who put their ratings out after the game think say, he's been getting sixes. Say for argument's sake, he's at sixes. Okay. Um, and even if we say we we look at that, and, and obviously, you know, I was being generous there. The I, I, I think that's the argument there. I think what people are saying is they've seen Nathan Cleary play better football in the NRL than what he has in the World Cup. And I think people are hoping... You know, like myself, who are Australians, hoping to see that form in a green and gold jersey because we know that it's uh, it's it's existed against our team's oh, yeah. jersey. Um, yeah. But you know, in in saying that, does that give credit to Penrith to be the team that they are, and does this also assist in that argument that you know that they're not a one team band that. It's Luo and Cleary, it's Crichton, it's Toto, it's all these different players and, you know, the laugh. I mean, these were probably the same fans at the start of the World Cup who were sending around those memes on uh, social media when Samoa got done by 60 saying, oh, you know, you don't have Cleary in the team, you're no good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Luo absolutely copped it. Yeah, so... Uh, And and then uh, since that game, he's had three man of the matches. So I I think what some of these fans might be alluding to the fact is and supporting that, that notion that Penrith aren't a one-man band and Nathan Cleary isn't the be-all, end-all. It's a team effort. And um, for Nathan Cleary, he hasn't been in the form that we've seen in the NRL in the World Cup. But in saying that, um, he's he's still the, the, the number seven that you'd want there. Oh, Absolutely. Yep. So, look, I mean, look, we might be walking out of next... We could very well be talking next week about an Australia World Cup win and Nathan Cleary playing a 6 out of 10 game and contributing and and everyone else pitching in and it's um it's it's a good night for Australia. I mean, I, I find it interesting that people are spending all their time jumping on social media and having to talk about Nathan Cleary when... You know, even Penrith fans will jump on and go, oh, Nathan Cleary. Talk about Liam Martin. That's the bloke who, coming out of last week's game, I was the most impressed with. If you want to talk about a Panther in form and a Panther that's uh, making a massive contribution, he's the player we've got to talk about. Oh, he was, he's been outstanding. Like, Phenomenal. I don't think too many people pre-tour would have thought Liam Martin is going to be a starting second roller. Um, some might have thought he's not even making the 17. Some might have even thought he's not making the squad. Um, he had a phenomenal 
finish to the to the NRL season, and he was the best back rower uh, in the semi-final series. Um, and you know, you're talking in terms of guys like there was Kikau, there was Papali'i, Kolomatangi, uh, all these guys representing their their very good teams, but the guy that was was I think undoubtedly the best back row was, was Liam Martin. Um, that game against Souths in particular, uh, very strong. Um, that, that was a game where he was supposed to be injured and not play. He had a crook ankle and he ended up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that, um, yeah, and he ended up. Yeah, getting over. The, I remember getting over the line for that try, and I just thought, oh, geez, like he was. He was a difference that night. Yeah. Yeah, and it just shows. So, um, yeah, he he is he is in career best form at the moment. Um, Cam Murray, I would have thought was would have, you would have had him as as a start in back rower, um, and and in fact, interesting, and we'll talk about the team of the tournament as mm. it was voted, uh, but he's in the second row with Liam Martin. Correct. Uh, but I I think Mal has used uh, Murray. Not in the way that I would have, but very well. Um, Murray hasn't had big minutes, but he's played him in the middle, and he's he just keeps scoring tries. And he just uh, has that ability to see where there's half an opportunity. I know some of them yeah. against some of the minnows were soft, but that try the other night when he saw Brandon Smith being yeah. a bit lazy, that was a great opportunity. He just got that that good foresight there. Yeah, I uh, I think. You know, Cam Murray is better in the middle than he's, he's very good on the edge, but I think he's best in yeah. the middle. And um, I think Mal has um, has has done well there in the way that he's used him. Um, yeah, uh, who you who you tipping this week, Graham? I'm tipping Australia. Um... But I'm not as confident as as you would think. I mean, if someone said to me a week ago, oh, look, Samoa gets past England somehow, I said, oh, Australia's going to be a shoo-in. But I just, Samoa just watching him in that game against England, they they just had an answer for everything. Even when they didn't let it def- deflate them. When England scored a try, they looked for another. Um, I, I was really impressed with their resilience and I think that's big in these competitions. Look, on, on face value, Australia's the best team in this competition, I believe. Um, they've got the best squad. They've got the best players. But Samoa just has this belief and enthusiasm about them that um, is infectious and very familiar to, to you know, Penrith fans. You look at some of that, um, the, the, the attitudes that they have there. There's just that enjoyment and um, excitement about them that uh, you can't discount. But I'm tipping Australia. I'd I'd imagine that they might... I don't want to sound cocky here, but I'm I'm thinking, you know, Australia, I'd I'd hope, would be able to win by by maybe three tries. Um, But, you know, you you just don't know. It's it's the World Cup. Yeah, it is. Do you are you are you similar in regards to your thoughts? Obviously, Australia, but uh, you know you 
you're obviously a little bit wary. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I tipped the Samoans last week. Yeah, um, you gave them a lot of credit. Yeah, but I, I, I think Australia compared to England uh, are a long way ahead. Um, if yeah. if I was to line up, you know, we we are not going to see at all in this tournament. Uh, England play Australia, uh, but I just think their Australians are a far superior side to the English, um, and I think if both teams play to the best of their ability, Australia win by by a fair bit. Um, but that's a variable. That's an if things would need to go wrong for Samoa to win this game. Um, you know, like when I say wrong, maybe an injury to a key player, maybe, uh, well, at least a sin bin, maybe a send-off. Um, Samoa will throw a lot at them, but I think the Australian defence will be better are able to deal with what they throw at them than what we saw from from England last week. Um, that's taken nothing away from Samoa. They were great. They deserved their win. But I just think the biggest strength of this Australian side is their defence. Um, yeah, yep. And I think that the defence that they'll put up will keep the Samoan score in. Um, I think you know they might have you know maybe a try or two or maybe three, but I don't think it's going to be enough to to win the game. Um, and, and as I said, we've not seen the green and gold click completely into gear really at any stage. Um, I'm hoping and I, I'm expecting that, that with that game last week which was a tight game um, that they would have developed a more uh, a greater understanding of each other's play and I think we will see an improvement in attack uh, from Cleary, Monster uh, Luttrell I thought Luttrell as I said I you know uh, it, it was good, but we just didn't see too much of him in attack. Um, obviously, the Fox was was great, as he has been all tournament. Um, I think Tedesco through the middle is going to cause some problems for the Samoans. Uh, and I just think uh, yeah, the, the forwards, while you know, Samoa got plenty of power there, uh, I think the Australians will be able to control that. And um, I think uh, the likes of, of Martin, Murray, Angus Crichton, um, I think they're going to do some damage in attack. And then you've got Yo through the middle. Uh, I just think there's too much class. you got you, the likes. you got Ben Hunt and, and Harry Grant. Harry Grant, I think when he comes on, he's going to cause all sorts of problems. Uh, you know, Samoa, they, they've already won. Uh, they haven't won the tournament, but they've won. They've done better than any other side. 
and it's obviously the best in the history of uh, summer and rugby league. And they've shown on the world stage that they're as good, if not better, than any other side. Uh, now they come up against what I consider to be the best uh, in rugby league, even though they're the number four ranked team, which was a joke. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I know, you know, Australia haven't played for three years, and last time they played, they got beat, I think, by Tonga. Um, yeah. I did come out and say it was a big call before the tournament that we might see a shock and the, the number four ranked team take out the tournament. And I, I stand by that. And it, it does sort of, you know, show with the rankings that um, going into the tournament, you know, I alluded to it earlier that we didn't have an Australia and New Zealand final and the rankings were the impact on that. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, uh, which... Uh, people have brought up the possibility now that Samoa, um, look, coming out of this World Cup, they're going to be possibly the World Cup winners or the runners-up. There has been talk about whether or not Samoa should be then promoted to a Tier 1 team. Just want to get your thoughts on that because we know that there's some massive implications then because if Samoa is considered a top-tier team, I mean, they've beaten England, they're playing Australia in the World Cup final this week... Um, the players who have uh, decided to play for Samoa in this World Cup, should they become a Tier 1 team, would mean they'd have to choose between State of Origin and Samoa. Yeah, well, there's no question that they're at the top tier of Rugby League. Um, They are in a World Cup final. How can they not be considered at the top level of Rugby League in terms of what their team, how their team performs. There's other criteria uh, that you have to feel to be a so-called tier one nation. Mm. I don't give too much credit to any of that other criteria. What if they were to win? How yeah. could you not say that the, the team that is the World Cup winners are not considered a tier one nation that it would be an absolute farce i think it's already a farce to say that the second ranked the second the the runners up if they were to lose are not in the top tier of teams in our sport um you then have to look at whether you you know how you have the rules in place Personally, I don't think their players should play state of origin. But I'll say this. Only if there is an international program that allows them to represent their nation. Because if there's no games for them to play, then they should be eligible to play origin. Yeah, and, and, and one of the counters to that has been some talk that should there be some sort of international um, state of origin alternative that's run alongside state of origin. And one thing I've heard in recent times be proposed is uh, while Australia, sorry, not Australia, New South Wales and Queensland, the Australian players from New South Wales and Queensland would be playing state of origin. On the same weeks, I've heard some people suggest that there might be um, 
you know, whether it be an international tri-series with the players who are not involved in origin, um, where it could be uh, Tonga versus Samoa versus New Zealand in a, you know, or even if it's Samoa versus New Zealand and if Tonga can somehow improve their ranking, they take their place. Um, <coughs> you, you get the idea with all these hypotheticals, but, you know, say say the same week as State of Origin, there's a Tonga versus Samoa game or a New Zealand versus Samoa game. Um that's another opportunity some people have suggested to in, increase the international game and also give those players who are not playing in origin and have chosen their allegiances to the Samoa or New Zealand, for example, uh, an opportunity to represent. Yeah. Uh, I see merit in that, but I don't agree with it. Because um, we're talking about the middle of the... NRL season, um, I, I, I don't like it overall, but I do want international football, but I put that at the end of the season um, because there's no Sunday night origin anymore. It's all Wednesdays now, back to how it used to be. So that, um, that weekend where we did see the uh, the international games because uh, there was that time to do it, uh, that was abolished. Um, we call it rep round or whatever they called it. But uh, so I'm not in favour of mid season just because Origin is on. I'm, I'm not saying I'm completely against it, but I want to see a proper program at the end of the season that will allow these guys to play three or four games for their nation in tournaments not just sort of you know okay we've got uh, this week we're going to see New Zealand and Samoa next week we're going to see New Zealand and Tonga I want it to be a tournament situation uh, at the end of the season but if that's not available, then they should be able to play Origin. If if there's no no alternate alternate for them to represent their country, which obviously, for most of these guys, we see the passion they play with. That's where their heart is, and they should have that opportunity. But if the opportunity is not there, then then okay. If they're eligible for Origin, pick them. Yeah, this whole tier one thing is is redundant really it's um you know, if the game builds it, you can't keep it because oh. you want everyone to be successful you want all these teams to be um competitive and to basically say well you know we're, we've got our, our our top ranked teams and our lower ranked teams and i i, I I can understand where it came from, but I think the game is going to outgrow that concept. Yep. And, um, you know, and that's, and that's very evident when we look at this World Cup. Um, you know, if we, we look at international football, if we were to have a, a, a Four Nations tournament involving the last Four Nations of the World Cup, it would be absolutely phenomenal because we saw the quality on the weekend of England, Samoa, Australia yep. and um, New Zealand, and that's also evident when we look at um, the the men's team of the tournament. 
that we've um, that has been announced um, for the World Cup. Um, from what I saw, it was announced this morning. This is the first time I saw it. I think that it's only come out today. If not, it was uh, possibly late yesterday. But I just want to get your thoughts on the team of the tournament, Griffo. Um, a lot of Samoans in the team, as you could imagine. Um, some key players for England in Williams and Radley in there as well. Um, Manu, I think, has had a phenomenal tournament just showing what he's capable at at fullback. Just want to get your thoughts on some of the players that were able to make their way into this team of the tournament. All right. Um, so just very quickly going through it uh, in proper number order, not not like Australian jersey. <laughs> not, not Aussie pick from uh, a we got Joey Manu at fullback. The wingers, Toto and Adil Carr. Uh, centres, Lafayette and Crichton. Uh, Harbs, Luai and George Williams, Tom Burgess and Junior Paolo, the props. Uh, I think it's Edwin Epape from uh, PNG, the yeah. hooker. Cam Murray and Liam Martin, the second rows, and Victor Radley, the lock. And then off the bench, Harry Grant, Sonia Taruva from uh, from the Panthers and Fiji, and Kion Kolomatangi. The only Tongan in the 17, and James Fisher Harris uh, rounding off the 17. Now, I have a problem with any team of any tournament being named before the final. And, and it seems yeah, every sport it. The cricketers, uh, the T20, did it. And then after the final, they named, I think it was Sam Curran from England. He was named player of the tournament, <laughs> but he didn't make the team of the tournament. Oh, no. It'd be like, um, you know, it'd be, like on, it'd be like on Saturday night. Uh, I don't know. Let's go back to Nathan Cleary or Cam Munster or one of those players. There's a number of players who have who are great players in there, could be men of the match, absolutely be pivotal. And that would have to be worth something. Um, It's... uh, I I thought it was interesting too, given um, the the starting team there, there was was one New Zealander. um, One player we've been talking about throughout the whole tournament, who I think... Has really, really lit the tournament on fire for uh, Australia on the wing is Josh Addo Carr. Um, he he definitely has been one of the highlights of this tournament. But um, the the amount of Samoans in this team I thought was also quite fitting as well, given we've got Paulo Luai, Crichton, Lafai, Toto. Um, I think that also states that impact. And I mean, like 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 you're saying, you know, people say, Oh, it's taken all the tournament into account. Um, they had a slow start, but you know, they've they've come good at the back end. There, there could be other Samoans that you might want to put in there after this week, could they should they get up. But um yeah. are you pretty happy given where we're at at the tournament now with who's in the team? Reasonably, yeah. yeah. You know, can't argue Manu. Uh, Adil Carr can't argue. Uh, I think Dom Young, the Englishman, yeah. I thought probably he might have had a spot. 
um, on the wing. Uh, you know, Lafay obviously has had a couple of good games, but I would have thought maybe Herbie Farnworth, uh, Crichton. You know, we had a great game the other night. So can't argue too much with with those uh, centre pairings, but, I, you know, maybe Herbie. Uh, Luai, no doubt he's he's been the best six. George Williams, I would agree, was has, has been the best seven. Um, Burgess and Paolo, uh, can't, can't get too many arguments there. Um, Pape had a had some good games. Whether there's been a standout nine from any of the other teams, well, you know, I'm not going to argue too much with that one. Uh, Murray and Martin have been fantastic. Radley's been obviously excellent for England. Um, you know, it might be an argument maybe uh, as a yo, but can't argue too much with that. Um, Claude Batami, yeah, he's been very good. Fisher-Harris, yeah, very good. Uh, Taruba was very good for Fiji. Harry Grant's been, you know, pretty pretty good as well. But, um, yeah, can't argue too much on, on what we've seen. But, again... Yeah, tournament's not over. Like, let's, let's <laughs> say... For, yeah, let's... And that's it, like... Because I think a lot of those selections have been picked based on last week's games, the semi-finals. I think yeah, they have factored yeah, in certainly, massively. Certainly the the, 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 the Samoans. Yeah, you wouldn't have had that many in there the previous week, but yeah, they, they did, they played great last week. Mm. Um, I just, uh, and I know, as I said, most sports seem to do this. They bring out their team of the tournament before the final, yet the most important game, the most important game, don't count for nothing. Team of the tournament. Um, let's say, and I don't, you know, I don't say this is going to happen, but let's say we see a bit of a landslide uh, with the Kangaroos winning. Yeah. You'd see it if you wanted the real team of the tournament. You'd see a lot more in there. Um, True. But like I said, it's not just this tournament that does it. Um, most sporting tournaments, I think the, the we you know oh no, we've got it coming up soon. The FIFA World Cup, I think yeah. they normally name their team of the tournament before the final. I just don't understand it. It's like they're naming a man of the match before the the match is over. <laughs> I've never liked that. Yeah. Like you, you know, we are both coach teams. We say, you know, you play till the final bell. That's like, right. Do you, do you stop, you know, if they, they you the match after 77 minutes? Does the team uh, at 77 minutes get the points? Yeah, you stop, we can go off the field. <laughs> get them out of the match, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden, someone in the other side who's maybe, you know, uh, two points down scores a brilliant try to win the match. They don't win better than uh, Yeah. It's, it's no. unnecessary. No. It's unnecessary. You just pick, you, you pick at the, the end of the game. Yep, and I think people people understand that. Yep, and I think I think that's one of those things where people will be looking towards the end of this game and looking at the big players. Um, I think both of us, before we wrap up on the Men's World Cup, 
we're both pretty keen on Australia here, and I don't think that's just our hearts. I think there's a fair bit of, um, you know, knowledge coming from the head on that one. I think most punters would be going um, an Australia victory. Is that fair to say, Griffo? I think uh, I think Latrell. I'm, I'm looking at Latrell to be uh, having a huge impact this week um, in attack. As I said, he was great in defusing those bombs. If he didn't, if he had to drop one of those, Australia might not be there. Mm. I think we're going to see a, a big effort, big not a big effort, but a big performance from Latrell, uh, and I think he's going to cause the Samoan centers some problems. Yeah, and um, obviously he's uh, he's got his mate outside of him, Josh Adokar, on that left edge, yep. which uh, I think will cause all sorts of trouble, especially with linking up with Munster. Um, you got Tedesco floating around the back. Um, yeah, and and just because we like to, to mention this and uh, it's a bit of uh, an interesting point. Um, I've had a look at Sportsbet to see what they're thinking. They've got Australia pretty hot favourites. They're going with twelve to some old yep. six fifty. So wow. that's, that's a, yeah, that's a that's a very hot favourite for the uh, the Australians there in the World Cup. Um, but uh, look, another Australian team that are hoping to get a World Cup, it could be both a male and female double, uh, given that on uh, Sunday morning, it's only just on Sunday, it's 12.15am um, our time here in Sydney, uh, the um, Gillaroos will take on New Zealand. Uh, this game here, uh, a replay of last Friday it would have been, Friday morning, where Australia got up 10-8. And and look, this is the only team in New Zealand that's been able to hold Australia to any sort of scoreline that resembles something we see regularly in rugby league. Um, We know Australia's had big wins against the likes of the Cook Islands. Um, They've also had that big dust-up. I think it was 92-0 against France. Um, And along the way with New Zealand themselves, they beat England to get into this match, that was a tough game, but they won 20 points to six. They've also had some strong performances throughout the competition, uh, taking on the likes of the Cook Islands um, as well and uh, doing away with them quite easily. But the thing I think that's stood out for most in this tournament so far, Griffo, has been just the attacking fluency of this Australian Gillaroos team. They have a lot of points in them. We know New Zealand... Held them to ten the other day, but geez, they've scored some tries this tournament. Well, there's a golf there. Um, uh, th- these are semi-professional now. These young ladies, um, and there's a massive difference between Australia to a lesser extent, New Zealand, and then I know the uh, the English. Super League, they have a, a, a women's competition now. But um, it's going to be a little while, I think, before some of the other nations can catch up. But hopefully what we will see, again, in developing the game is that maybe some of the players from these emerging nations can filter into the NRLW and the uh, the competition over in uh, in England, the ladies' comp there, and and. You know, next time the World Cup comes around, um, maybe putting a little bit of, uh, you know, not the gap maybe reducing somewhat. Um, you know, so if we can see the likes of, 
Well, like, for example, PNG, they've got an absolute star who plays in the NRLW in L.C. Albert. Mm. So, you know, getting a few more of those girls in, into um, into the NRLW. But just on the Australians, when the team originally was named, I was astounded by the fact that um, Jesse Southwell was not selected. I could not understand. Mm. She's head and shoulders like the most talented um, playmaker in women's rugby league. She's 17 years of age. Um, she was phenomenal in the, in the night season, including the grand final. Some of the skill in her passing and kicking game. It, it, no one can do what she does. Um, so I was disappointed she wasn't there. She was good enough to be over there for the Commonwealth Games um, a few months ago, whenever uh, she represented them. I, I didn't watch it, but uh, in Rugby Union, she was over there representing Australia. So. But anyway, these girls, um, they're very good. They move the ball well. There's skill there. There's athleticism. And and I know you know even if you you turn the dial back to when when we were in Auckland watching the the women's nines Australia v New Zealand, um, they didn't have the same level of athleticism throughout the team. Uh, there were some some girls there who were um, you know very powerful, but not really athletic. Um, but we're now seeing that, particularly in the Australian side, that they're tall, athletically built, they move well, they've got skills. Uh, a lot of the girls have come up through touch football and Oztag systems uh, if they've not been playing rugby league their whole life. So they've got the skills, uh, they've got the speed, and it's just quality to watch. Um, they only just got over the the Kiwi Ferns in the previous game last you know, last Friday, as you mentioned, ten eight, and um, unfortunately for the, for the Ferns, uh, they had a kick from right next to the post where they missed it. The girl missed it, and um, you know they only went down by two. Yet they, yeah, that that was crucial. And the commentators mentioned it at the time that said, you know, hope this doesn't come back to bite them, but but it did. Um, but I think as good as the Kiwis played in that game, um, the Australian girls made a lot of mistakes. They won't make that many mistakes this time. And I think uh, while the Kiwis will put up a great fight, uh, I think there's a bit of a, a difference in class from 1 through to 17. Um, so I'll be tipping the Jillaroos. Uh, we don't know who's going to be in their side yet. They haven't named it. But the coach did say that all seven girls who didn't play in the semi-final would be in the 17. So um, I want to mention Emma Tonegato. She was outstanding the other night. Um, three tries and... Oh, no, she didn't score three tries. She scored a few, but she set up several... Uh, she was outstanding. She was actually left out of the squad um, 
she only got in because Tamika Upton, who was injured, pulled out of the squad. So uh, she's been fantastic, and I, I think she'll be there. Uh, maybe we'll see Sammy Bremner at fullback to start, but uh, Tonegato will play a key role. It's 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 interesting that you say that you you think that the um the Gillaroos will um, rise to the occasion and get the job done. Um, yet again, while I had the sports bet up for the men's one, I flicked over to the women's World Cup odds, and they've got uh, Australia pretty short for this one at a dollar fifteen, and the New Zealand women good value at six fifty. Oh no, um, no I, I I don't agree with that. We saw there was only two points in it last weekend. Uh, much closer than that, I would imagine. Then, um, yeah. So if you you like a flutter, we don't, you know, we don't condone betting. But six fifty for the New Zealand women, I was very surprised at that. And whilst we, um, you know, you you alluded to it there that Australia got the job done the other week. Um, yeah, it may not necessarily be as close as that, but that was one of those situations where it was two tries each. Um, it really just come down to. Uh, goal kicking, as you said, um, but uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this game. This is going to be one of those things where on, you know, Saturday night, um, yeah, better off going to bed early and waking up. Well, that's the plan. Yeah, you need a plan. You got to, yeah. But you, I, might, you, I might not. I have to. I might have to stay go, home. Go to bed um, after dinner. Yeah, and, yeah. and have a get sleep. A, get a, wake some up. Some sleep in. Yeah. yeah. I think. I think that might be the plan. Stay up all night and sleep all day Sunday because there's a multitude yeah. of rugby league. And um, look, I, I have a feeling that this time next week, Griffo, will be on the podcast talking about two Australian world champions. I hope so. Yeah, that that'd be a great result. So. And and look, that'll um that'll just about do us. I think tonight, mate. Oh, far out, mate. I, <laughs> I forgot about the grab. I was just too busy talking about the World Cup. Wait a sec, no, let's well, get it happening. It's coming, from, it's coming from the World Cup. Oh, look, mate. Jeez, you can tell I'm a bit out of practice. It's off-season, but here we go. Off-season. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. What do you got? That's all right. <laughs> um, and the other music cue. <laughs> there were three contenders, um, at least, with those amazing games that we saw. But I'm going to stick with the one that... Uh, I had penned in original, penciled in originally when it happened, and that was uh, the Fox. Um, oh, yeah. The the try, yeah. we had Ben Hunt put up a, a big bomb, and the Fox, and it was four, about 40 metres out. And had a bit to do. From nowhere, uh, Jordan Rapid, I didn't see him coming. The Fox at full speed pretty much has got the ball and scored an amazing try. Um, just adding to the highlights reel that he's produced from this tournament. I think a little bit unlucky not to be player of the tournament when I think about it now, particularly if you were to have another big game uh, in the final. But uh, um, yeah, that was just one of those moments you thought that is special. Yep. And I, I can wanna... I can confirm Griffo just looking back at back at our uh carpool rugby league group chat between the three of us that at seven oh four AM you called it I may have to grab. <laughs> so that was seven oh four on Saturday morning, yeah. just after Shano commented that 
this man has to play for the Blues next year. Yes, so that is correct. It was yeah. uh, definitely. A, a, were, were you a, were you watching it live? Or I, I was. I didn't have my phone with yeah. me, and then I oh, had my okay. phone in the other room. And then, yeah. as you can say, I was a bit slow. My, my first quite, comments quite were at eight thirty. <laughs> yeah, there were a few things flowing around between Shane and myself. But I thought maybe you know you, bit, you were going to watch it later. But a bit slow anyway, with the phone yeah. had it in the other room. That's McGrab. I just do want to mention a special try that the Samoans scored, um, where Jerome Luai went left foot step, left foot step, uh, past a big uh, junior Barlow who with one hand on the ground uh, through sort of a Hail Mary pass over his head. Jerome Luai didn't even attempt to catch the ball. He just batted it on out wide to where Stephen Crichton caught the ball and then put the, the ball over the line for a try. That was an amazing try as well. Um, but uh, there were so many special moments, but uh, we'll go with that. Josh Adokar, not for the first time. He's been phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And and throughout this tournament, he's really shown his um his value still in rep footy. Um, I know we've talked about it and alluded to it in obviously different circumstances through Origin, but it's good to see. I mean, from a Bulldogs fan's point of view, um, great to see him in form. Um, would love to see him get some um get some ball and some access throughout the year. Uh. For the uh, for the Bulldogs, but I think now I think that's about us now. That is official. Sorry, mate. I just got I'm, I'm a bit out of whack with the World Cup and our uh, regular format's not quite there. But we um, I'm glad to see we had a Griffo's grab this week, and I'm also glad to see that we've got uh, the final of the World Cup coming up this week, and I'm actually looking forward to it and. Um, I think I think most people are happy to see rugby league this end of the year. Sure. Um, and I, I think we should come back next week. We'll wrap it up. Yeah, uh, I think Shano's going to be back on board next week as well. well. That's a big episode next week. We've got Shano on board. He, he might, might have, have something to, to say about Seaball. Tip it for us. Yeah, we haven't had him on since. <laughs> Buckle up yeah. for that one. See you, yeah. guys. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the football this weekend.